Hey fools, welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. It is Tuesday, September 20th, and I'm your host, Vincent Shen, joined here in studio by Sarah Priestley to bring you some of the latest news and insights from the consumer and retail sectors. Uh, you know, jumping right into it, yesterday, GoPro unveiled several new products, including what I consider to be well, probably one of its most important releases since the original GoPro 35mm Hero and GoPro Digital Hero Digital Hero a decade ago. Those new products included the Hero 5 Black, the Hero 5 Session, and of course, what everyone has been waiting for since its delay in the first half of 2016, the Karma Drone, which will introduce quite nicely our main discussion for this episode, which is drones. What kind of experience do you have with drones, Sarah? Uh, we have. Um, <laughs> Wait, who's we in this situation? <laughs> my husband and I. Mm-hmm. Oh, my husband got given by my father a drone for Christmas. Okay. And we have, I'm ashamed to say, only used it to make um, insulting home videos <laughs> <laughs> with, with Star Wars uh, background music. So. Very nice. Uh, what do you think? Do you, is what? Do you know specifically what drone it is? That we have. Mm-hmm. I think it's a DG, DJI. DJI. Yeah. Okay, so. What in terms of usability are you impressed with how far the technology has come along? So you know, for in the consumer space at least. Yeah, I'm I'm incredibly impressed. I think that they've come along leaps and bounds in a very short period of time. It's incredibly stable and mm-hmm. very easy to fly. Uh, I would say my um, issue with it is probably battery life, which mm. is the same as what a lot of people seem to have. Sure. Um, and I know that uh, people are talking about the GoPro is has it 18 minutes battery life. Yeah, about 18 yeah. and 20 minutes. So, uh, you know, the Hero 5 cameras, there's some really interesting upgrades and improvements from the prior generation cameras. They have voice control now, GPS tagging, and more. But the Karma is what really caught our attention, especially since we're focusing on drones for this episode. It's been priced at about $799 as the standalone device, or at $999 or uh, $1099 paired with one of the new Hero 5 cameras as a package. So, based on research um, and speaking with some of my friends who are into drones as a hobby, um, some some of the key factors that people generally consider when you buy a drone for consumer use are battery life, like you mentioned, uh, form factor, uh, range, how far it can fly out, the the camera system that it uses if you want to have a camera on it, and of course the budget. So. You know how the Karma fares with these criteria in terms of battery life. We mentioned the 18-20 minutes. It's actually pretty standard and competitive with rival offerings and other makers like like Parrot, DJI Innovations. Uh, the current battery technology, even just a half hour flight time, is actually pretty considered to be industry leading for consumer drones. And then in the form factors, what I thought that the Karma really stood out. Uh, it was actually on stage with the CEO during his entire presentation and in a backpack. And when he pulled it out, it was kind of a surprise because of the fact that it's so compact. Uh, Basically, the arms fold in for storage. Um, Otherwise, when they fold out, it kind of looks like the standard quadcopter. But um, it's very easy to kind of snap open and deploy the whole package with the camera, the mount, the remote controller, and the, the stabilizing gimbal. Or pronouncing that correctly, <laughs> is uh, it weighs not much more than five pounds, and the remote has a five-inch screen with controls that really resemble, in my opinion, your basic handheld gaming device, uh, kind of like with joysticks, which I think a lot of everyday users would be able to pick up and learn relatively quickly compared to some of the other uh, drone remotes that I've seen that are much more complicated, resemble like a more complex like RC device. Uh, in terms of range, it can fly up to one kilometer over three thousand feet from the user. 
which is pretty impressive. 35 miles per hour flight speed and a maximum altitude of 14,500 feet for flight. And then the camera system obviously is compa- compatible with the Hero 5 series, also the Hero 4. And when it's compared, or when it's paired with the stabilization accessories, um, it makes for a really smooth, professional-looking video, as uh, can be seen in some of the marketing footage, which I highly recommend you check out. And I'm sure once it uh, is released in October, there will be tons of user footage out there to kind of show, you know, how good is it compared to the competition. But overall. I think the camera is pretty well suited to the action sport kind of lifestyle and activities where GoPro has established its roots. If you just take a minute and look at some of the media headlines about the Karma release, first impressions seem really good. And even in drone hobbyist communities and forums, people are, seem to be really impressed. And so these new products are due uh, officially in October. You know, it's perfect timing for the holiday season. That's usually the company's biggest selling period. So in 2014, for example, the company was still delivering. Uh, really strong double-digit growth, and that fourth quarter holiday season made up nearly half of total sales in 2014. Wow. Um, and uh, right now, it's uh, a much different world for GoPro and shareholders. A lot of new, low-priced competing action cameras. The company have uh, you know eroded the company's market share, taking a toll on the company's results for the past three quarters. So. Including the holiday quarter of 2015 and the first half of 2016, the company reported year-over-year revenue declines of anywhere from 30% to 50%. The stock itself uh, peaked back in October 2014 when it hit nearly $90 per share, bounced around until August 2015 at about $60 per share, and now it's endured a pretty steady decline. It's trading at just $15. Uh, it's honestly, with that decline, its valuation multiples have kind of come down. From uh, you know the clouds and into much more reasonable territory, it's trading at about thirty times or twenty times, excuse me, uh, trailing earnings. Previously, it was seventy times or more. But when it comes down to it, it's a seven hundred ninety nine device, seven hundred ninety nine dollar device, or you know a thousand dollars or more if you need a camera to go with it. Which I'm not sure is something that can necessarily sell in enough volume to really help GoPro return to its previous growth levels. Um, but what do you think? Is that something that people are willing to spend? You know, if you think about uh, another really popular uh, item, electronics item that's higher end, more expensive during the holidays. You know, for example, gaming consoles, the Xbox, PlayStation. Even when they first come out, four hundred, five hundred dollars as a package. So this is even beyond that. Maybe certain computers, the newest MacBook, might rival this in terms of price range, for example. But what do you think? I think if you're a serious hobbyist and you're really into drones, and in fact, if you're really into action photography, then this would probably be something that you'd do. And there's a lot of people that do, um, you know, they have side gigs, like they're doing wedding photography. Our man behind the glass today is actually <laughs> supporting his uh, his cousin um, doing some uh, videoing for her wedding this weekend. And I was at a wedding a couple of weeks ago and they had a drone um, just hovering above the ceremony the whole time. And that's kind of a very easy, if you think about it, um, low-priced option that a lot of people can add to their packages. Fair so enough. It's, it's not necessarily just um, you know amateurs, I think. Yeah, sure. So, with all that in mind, um, I think I will leave with listeners to stew on this question of, and ultimately wait to see how successful the Karma uh, sells, how many is able to sell, and if it has that significant impact on GoPro's results. But uh, you know, a little bit additional color for you to consider is that 
ABI Research estimates that the consumer drone market will grow from the 5 million units shipped in 2014 to about 90 million by 2025, or about $4.6 billion in sales. So there is a lot of opportunity, I think, like a runway for growth for GoPro to establish itself in what is ultimately still very much a developing niche market. And if anything, the company definitely has a ton of history taking a pretty specialized product and turning it into a mainstream success. You know, they've sold millions upon millions of action cameras, and at some point, uh, or at some points, excuse me, they've boasted you know 80 percent to 90 percent market share in that segment, so dominant. And uh, you know, GoPro is not quite uh, an early mover in the drone industry as it was with action cameras. You know, when a lot of for a a long time, when consumers thought of an action camera, they thought of GoPro. Absolutely. And though the price tag, and it makes me a little skeptical, uh, the company does have the option of expanding its price points, just as it did with cameras. Um, you know, the sessions come in at cheaper levels, at lower price levels. GoPro can do the exact same thing with uh, varying or different models of drones in the future. And I think this, you know, when it comes to drones, bigger picture. Away from GoPro, the our discussion's really been focused on maybe the amateur hobbyist market, even like the professional consumer market. But in actuality, that's really just a small piece of the opportunities in the drone market overall. You know, over the summer, back in June, the Federal Aviation Administration issued its official rules for commercial drones, which really opened the door to their use in a lot of industries. And those rules went into effect late last month. And honestly, the commercial drone market is going to dwarf. The consumer drone market. Um, so, just uh, laying a little bit of foundation in terms of how these commercial drones are coming into play initially. Can you tell us a little bit about you know the framework for the rules and how that's kind of imp- uh, impacting their use? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important for people to know that prior to this period, it was um, illegal to use commercial drones mm-hmm. unless you had a Section three thirty three exemption from the uh, FAA. So, uh, this is actually the second time that they have been asked to come up with these rules and regulations. They were asked in 2012 and they, they missed the deadline. So, it's been something that's on uh, Congress's mind for a while. I think they've foreseen this, this activity coming. Um, but as you said, the new rules came out in uh, August 2016. And I'll just read you a brief uh, excerpt from the press release. Sure. Um, the FAA has finalized new operational rules for routine commercial use of small unmanned aircraft systems, opening pathways towards fully integrating UAS into the nation's airspace, which is quite a bold claim. And I think that these are almost baby steps. So right now, uh, pilots have to be have to keep drones within line of sight, which reduces uh, a lot of opportunities in terms of if you're looking at delivery, especially for retail, like we're looking at with Amazon Air and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's a big step forward. Uh, the same press release suggested that it's a eighty-two billion uh, could add eighty-two billion to the U.S. economy and create a hundred thousand new jobs in the next ten years. So it, it's a it seems like a baby step, um, but it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. And uh, sorry. No, it's fine. I I think it's really important to note that number you just mentioned eighty-two billion dollars. That's huge. Commercial drone usage. The number I had for twenty twenty-five. You know, almost ten years from now. For on the consumer side, just five billion dollars. So again, a really big difference in terms of the size of the market. I think um, for not just uh, GoPro, but also some of the other players right now that are trying to establish themselves in the drone market, mostly private companies like Para, DJI Innovation, DJI Innovation, excuse me, is going to uh, you know they're going to be fighting pretty hard for a piece of that very sizable market. Um, a few other rules, just specifically that I thought were kind of interesting in terms of uh, commercial drone usage. You know, 
they obviously regulate proximity to airports, their flight speed, their flight altitude. But the one you touched on in terms of it having to be within line of sight really affects something that has uh, you know obviously been a huge trend for e-commerce, which is the impact of delivery. And you mentioned Amazon Air and the fact that you know obviously you know, a lot of e-commerce retailers are challenging the traditional retailers and challenge consumers to think that maybe it's easy for me to order something essentially from the comfort of my couch. Than it is to make the drive 10, 15, or, or minutes, or even farther uh, for some people, as we'll get to, to go to the store to buy something. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's for a long time been the preserve of the sci fi movies, but now it's kind of starting to become a reality. I, I don't know how quickly it will actually uh, happen in terms mm-hmm. of for consumers. Uh, but if you look in 2015, just business to consumer, so in- excluding business to business, the online retail market was 808 billion, and there is a huge amount of consumer expectation over how quickly they're going to receive those packages. Um, and I think that that's essentially created a, a huge pressure point and a c- competitive um, pressure point for retailers in how they're competing over free delivery. Um, which obviously is not free for them, and um, you know, immediate delivery, which is what we're talking about now. Sure. So, when you look at uh, one of my, you know, obviously what I consider to be one of the the biggest examples, it is the biggest example of a traditional retailer like Walmart. Um, it's obviously been focused a lot in terms of its uh, e-commerce efforts. You know, we've talked previously on the show about its Jet acquisition, Jet.com acquisition, and other efforts, and how uh, I think for the most recent quarter, it's been able to return to more uh, robust levels of growth for its e-commerce efforts. Um, and you know, they are really pushing their shipping option. They have their shipping pass now package. I think it's fifty dollars a year, kind of comparable to Amazon Prime, um, but. Something I thought that was really interesting is that uh, Piper Jaffray, research analyst, estimates that Amazon has successfully built out its network of fulfillment centers at this point to be within 20 miles of 44% of the U.S. population. Back in 2010, that penetration level was just 5%. On the other hand, you know that Walmart has a ton of stores. Um, what's their penetration level? They have uh, a store within five miles of 70% of the population. So, do you? What do you see the? I guess. Uh, in terms of shipping, the drone opportunities. How do you see that kind of playing out? Because Amazon, obviously, with about forty-four percent penetration within twenty miles, that seems potentially in the future as the technology develops, the flight times improve, that for them to be able to really deliver and expand what is right now a limited, I think, like forty markets for uh, Prime now, which is essentially your delivery within, I think, one or two hours. Mm-hmm. Right? What do you think? Um, I think it's. I think there's a lot of hurdles for them to overcome, not just regulatory. I think it's a. I think it's going to be a societal change too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, how how much do you really need that to, to to get it within 30 minutes? And obviously, price will affect that. Uh, but as you said, Walmart's um, kind of distribution of their retail locations is a huge advantage. I, I don't think people realize when you talk about drones that the idea is that it'll essentially be a single package, short delivery. Um, and then this opens up a whole kind of secondary question over how cost effective is this actually going to be? So I think a lot of people have made the argument that this could be, in fact, cents per mile. And uh, the last mile of the delivery is where the cost um, is where the opportunity is for retailers. I think the last mile adds 28% of the cost of delivery. Okay. Uh, so if you, if you just take this last mile and kind of think about 
how much how how much uh, cost benefit is there going to be from for a drone? Um, and there are some analysts that are pegging this uh, to be you know ridiculously cheap, eighty eight cents for the final delivery, and some that are pegging it to be ten to seventeen dollars per delivery, depending on what you factor in. Sure. So there, there's a whole host of um, issues. There's a whole uh, there's a whole timeline where we need to find out what the price point is for people if they actually want this, how much are they willing to pay for it? Because uh, Deloitte surveyed last year 4,000 shoppers around the holiday season and a quarter of them were unwilling to pay for next day delivery. So you, you can see that our expectations are rocket high from consumers already on what they're expecting. So, you know, if you're not competing on price, if you're online and you're not competing on price, you're competing on getting that package to the person as quickly as possible. Because that's ultimately one of the big challenges with shopping online, right? Like you have to wait for it and you can't handle it in person. Yeah. So you know, that has obviously driven people to this level or consumers to have this expectation where, hey, I want that and I want it shipped to me quickly for yeah, free. For free. Amazon <laughs> has certainly contributed uh, partially to that. But you know, that has also been a huge competitive advantage for them. Um, what about uh, Focusing in on uh, what you mentioned, that last mile delivery, uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that uh, was really interesting, basically about how it is affecting you know, the United States, very big country. A lot of uh, people live in more rural areas. So, with last mile delivery, you know, the, for the logistics companies like a UPS or FedEx, they benefit most, right, when their truck can drive along a street. And maybe a five-mile stretch, for example, and deliver a whole a, a ton of packages, hundreds of packages, in their route. Yeah, it's the most cost-effective for them. Whereas in some cases, though, when you're in a more rural area, population densities are much much lower. It's the complete opposite. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so this is called uh, route density and drop size is the two the key criteria. Mm-hmm. So either you uh, you do your normal route and you deliver a lot of packages, or you do a smaller route to say one place and you deliver a lot of packages. Uh, so that's kind of the way that they work out the economics of this. Um, and the issue, as you alluded to, is the fact that the um, the rural economy in the US is really picking up online. So I think that uh, 68% of people were online shopping in rural areas last year. That's grown to 75% this year. Mm-hmm. So this kind of poses a challenge a challenge to um, retailers in the fact that they uh, they offer a standard delivery price whether you live in Manhattan or you live in uh, Arkansas so <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reason that they do this obviously is they have to be completely transparent and they have to be open they can't seem to be penalizing people for for where they live sure but there is an additional cost for for doing this and it's around four dollars uh, if you look at USPS or even more premium FedEx and UPS, they're charging upwards of about $4 for very rural deliveries. Mm-hmm. Um, and the retailer is absorbing these costs. And that's going to have a direct impact on margins eventually if this continues to increase. At the minute, it's a small, it's probably a small fraction uh, of the overall um, revenue source for them. Yeah. And, you know, just to uh, put some of that into context, too, is the fact that I think uh, right now, online purchases uh, for all consumer spending at just still single digits, right? Like 9%, yeah. almost 10%. So the, there's really a ton of opportunity for that, uh, for shopping, online shopping, especially among, you know, rural consumers to grow. And, uh, you know, that Wall Street Journal article had some really interesting examples where basically I mentioned it's not just people shopping for a big ticket item like, 
you know, a PC or something that you would buy online. And it's really some of their daily staples, including like paper towels and other things that you need every day in your home. And uh, just uh, another example of how long some of these mail routes get. Yep. Uh, there is one carrier, his daily mail loop is a hundred and almost 190 miles in Oklahoma. So that's the kind of challenge that we have. And I guess potentially, you know, if the uh, the cost structure and the other logistics, the regulations work out, drones can kind of help alleviate that. Um, Right now, they can. I think a lot of the technology is limited. You can only carry one package, for example. Yep. But uh, you know, I would assume they're working on that. But what other limitations do you think? Uh, you know, it seems like it, like a really great idea in a city, getting things out really quickly, less than thirty minutes. But you know, what aren't we thinking of? There are there are a whole host of issues, um, especially in cities. So the the people that are working on this they call it the last fifty feet issues. So not only do you have problems uh, with human interference, so we're naturally inquisitive people, and there's the, the suggestion that maybe they could be uh, you know taken, stolen. They could just you know swat a exactly. drone out of the fly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got children, animals, all those kind of interferences sure. that can occur, and then also you have logistical issues. So um, last year in November. Amazon released a YouTube video basically showing a woman uh, who needed football cleats and she ordered them and, and the ship and it showed you you know the dispatch and it, it going all the way there she put a little pad outside on her yard and that's where the drone landed mm-hmm. we don't know if that's what's actually going to happen but there needs to be some kind of identifying factor of where where this is going to land and if you live like we do in apartment block apartment complexes where where does the drone get delivered mm-hmm. um is it going to be on the roof? How safe is that? There, there's a whole host of issues. Okay, and um, it's funny because you know we talking about last mile delivery when we're talking about a truck. Now it's the last fifty feet when we're talking about drones. Um, anything else uh, in terms of uh, you know what you see as might be a holdup uh, in terms just with adoption in this con- uh, specific consumer retail application? Yeah, I think I think there is also going to be the big argument that how how uh, necessary is this? Mm-hmm. You know, you you have um, now Walgreens and CVS who have a huge store footprint. Sure, they're stocking a lot of the things that formerly you you would have to take an emergency run to the supermarket for. It's it seems this is going to be much more niche than people are expecting. Mm-hmm. To me, I think it has much more of an application with things like oil rigs, parts to stop you know big big oil rigs stop pumping uh, and medical applications and I think this is where a lot of other people see project this to go to. Okay, well let's focus in on that then. So what examples have we seen then or are there good examples out there where we kind of or, or where we've seen hey, this is drones are working really well and uh, so, you know, people have talked about beyond the consumer and retail space also agriculture, yep. uh, defense, uh, energy, uh, medicine. So, do you have examples? Yeah, absolutely. So, there's a, a startup, or I guess they're not now a startup. They were established in 2011 called Matinat, uh, and they deliver medical supplies. So, they operate in Switzerland, Haiti, the Dominican Republic right now. And I'll take one example from them in uh, Mazero, the capital of Lesotho, which is in southern Africa. One in four um, adults has HIV, and so uh, Matinet's drones deliver blood samples to clinics. They deliver medicine, and they already operate in a uh, network one and a half times the size of Manhattan. So there's a real opportunity 
to show it really does show you the opportunity here but i think that the biggest reason that this is um used is that the paved roads are scarce and mm-hmm. that the drone network is cheaper than establishing a road network so i think that the delivery cost is about 24 cents per delivery on what they operate now oh wow um so uh i think overall you know bring this back into you know the foolish world in terms of investing with the drone players themselves you know gopro is really making a splash i think with its first, with its karma that we spoke about earlier but a lot of the other companies right now definitely you know small private it, a little harder to make that direct investment if you're interested in getting a you know kind of an investing foothold here but uh, you know, we talked about some of the retailers as well, who are obviously, you know, Amazon for years now has uh, uh, Jeff Bezos has talking about for years now his interest in turning this into a viable way of expanding its delivery options and its efficiency, for example. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, I'd love in the future, uh, in future shows, to kind of tackle maybe some of the different companies that might be supplying some components and things along those lines as much as we can within consumer and retail space for these drones but any other takeaways for you that you were surprised by or anything in terms of you know the future for this you know industry right now yeah i will i will say that if you're an investor right now in amazon or walmart the things that you're probably going to be seeing are the building out of more click and collect kind of um, offerings, more distribution centers, shipping from store. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that in the earnings calls. And this is this is going to potentially offer a huge benefit. If you look right now in the UK, the retailers are losing around £300 million a year because they can't find the right price point for delivery and consumers are so sensitive to it. So I think this is really a good question, a good um, you know debate to have. Okay. Um, thanks a lot. Uh With that, uh, that's the time we have for today, but you can continue the conversation with us and the rest of the Industry Focus crew via Twitter at MF Industry Focus, or send us any questions or comments via email to industryfocus at fool.com. People on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and the Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based only on what you hear during the program. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. 